My name is Christine Thomas, and it has been a joy to be a part of worship Sunday mornings digitally. And this morning, I'd like to read scripture as we get into the word this morning. We're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And I invite you to open your Bibles as we read together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every evening at the dinner table, we ask our kids three questions. We say, give me your high, give me your low, and give me your buffalo. It's really that simple, right? Give us your high. Give us the best part of your day. Give us your low. Give us the worst part of your day. And give us your buffalo. What was it today that stood out, that surprised you? Something different that was unexpected. It generates great conversation around our table. But I've noticed in this season of separation, as we continue to be apart from others, when we get to the part of our questions, when we say, what was the lowest part of your day? My boys continue to say the answer, quarantine, coronavirus. And when we dig deeper, we say, what is it that's so hard for you right now? What is it that you're missing so much? And we hear from our boys answers like this, my friends, playing on a basketball team, seeing our cousins. You see, I get a feeling from my kids that in this season we're beginning to feel a sense of grief and loss more and more as time goes on. I asked my team the same question this week as we met digitally online. I said, what do you miss most right now in this season? Some said taking their dog to the dog park. Another said going to the gym with friends. One said eating out at a restaurant with friends and laughing the whole time. Another said hosting small group in my living room each week. And another said hugging my grandchildren. This season is getting hard. It's getting tough. And I know we're making the most of it. I've seen online graduations and drive-by birthday parties. My kids', my kids uh, teachers have started to leave gifts on the front porch to, uh, to commemorate the end of a school year. I even got my first invitation to attend a drive-by wedding. We're making the most, but this is getting hard. And if we look to the future, we have a sense of loss and grief too. Will school open up? Will college be the same? Will I get to vacation with my kids and my grandkids this summer? 
Will I be able to hug other people again? Will I be able to cheer for the manta rays at my local pool and wear the purple and black with pride? Go manta rays! Or will we have a summer without swim team? No, as we enter this season, as we continue in this season, there is a sense of grief and loss. But the good news is, is that this passage speaks right to us. That in this passage in Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. For we know how the story ends. You see, in the church in Thessalonica, some people have passed away. The church is experiencing loss. Brothers and sisters in Christ have died. They were aunts and uncles and moms and dads and kids and cousins. And the church is mourning the loss of these people. And Paul says, don't lose hope. For we know how the story ends. Paul says, don't grieve like the world grieves. Paul encourages them to grieve differently. He says, you can grieve. But in verse 13 he says, make sure you season it with hope. That you don't grieve without hope. See, grief in itself is not a bad thing. It is completely normal for us to feel grief and pain and despair and anger when we have something that we've lost. This is normal. Jesus himself felt these things. As he found out of Lazarus' death and as he interacted with the family and friends of Lazarus, Jesus wept. Scripture tells us that he felt grief in the midst of loss. But Paul says, don't lose hope. Because grief that is not seasoned with hope can rot us from the inside out. You see, our temptation is to run from grief. Our temptation is to storm through grief. Our temptation can be to lie down and wallow in our grief. But Paul says, when we do that, Well, grief works itself out in unhealthy ways and with unhealthy behaviors that that hurt us and others. That grief can tear apart relationships. That grief, if we let it, will even move us away from God. And that's why Paul says, don't lose hope, for we know how the story ends. Yes, grief seasoned with hope, can actually grow us. God can actually use us. Scripture promises us if that we let hope be a part of our grief, then that God will use it to change our attitude towards others. God will use us to see the things that we hold too closely and the things we don't hold closely enough. God will use it to grow relationships in our life. God God will use it to grow us. And ultimately, if our, hope, if our grief is seasoned with hope, then God will use it to grow our relationship with him. And so Paul says, don't lose hope, for we know how the story ends. 
So what is this hope that we hold on to? Who is this hope that we hold on to? Paul tells us in verse 14, he says, We believe in Jesus Christ. That our hope is in Jesus Christ. That Jesus himself is our hope. He is hope. And so Paul's going to go on in this next verses and remind us of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And he's going to start by saying this, that we have hope in Jesus because Jesus died for us. Because Jesus died for us. Sometimes I think we think that Jesus died and rose again, but we forget the other part of that statement that Paul is making, that Jesus died and rose again, even so that through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That scripture promises that Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead, but that he did it for us. He did it so that we can have Life. One verse in scripture that I think clearly illustrates this is found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Now, normally we're looking at the ESV translation, but there's a, a certain word that I wanted to really focus in on. And as I looked through different translations, I found one that was put together by my Greek professor in seminary. His name is Dr. Mounts. It's the Mounts translation, it's not very well known but it is very good. And he writes, or he translates Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, like this. For it was appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the champion of their salvation perfect through suffering that he would make the champion of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now this word champion is translated many different ways. Author, founder, captain, Eugene Peterson in the message says, the salvation pioneer. But the word champion for our ancient uh, Greek readers would have understood that, that this was a representative in battle. That this was a champion that that helped us understand that there were two armies standing toe to toe. And when two armies went to battle, very often in the ancient world, one army would send out a champion. And that champion would challenge the champion of the other army. And whoever won, the whole army won. It's the story of David and Goliath. The Philistines send out Goliath. A giant, a man of great size and stature, wearing armor and having weaponry that would intimidate everyone. And he yells to the people of Israel, send out your champion, send out your representative. And Israel sends out David. And both armies know that if David wins, the Israelites win. And if Goliath wins, then the Philistines win. But Jesus Christ went toe-to-toe in a battle with sin and death. In a battle that we're all facing with an enemy much greater than Goliath, 
Jesus took the field as our champion, as our representative in battle, and he fought sin, and he fought death, and he took it to the grave, and three days later, he busted out of the back of the grave, he broke the spine of sin and death, and rose to life so that we could have life in him. Jesus Christ is our champion, and he died for us. And so... Paul says, don't lose hope, for we know how the story ends. But Paul doesn't just say that Jesus died for us. Paul also reminds us that Jesus Christ is coming back for us. That in verse 16, Paul says that the trumpets will blast, the archangel will sound, and Jesus Christ will come back for all those who are in Jesus Christ. Tommy talked about it earlier, but it's Ascension Sunday. The Sunday that that we celebrate that 40 days after Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven. And as he ascended into heaven, he promised the disciples, he said, I go to my father's house. I will prepare a place for you and I will come back for you. I will come back to get you. Do you remember dropping off your kindergarten or your nursery school kid for the first time and looking in their puppy dog eyes and saying those words? I'll, don't worry. I'll come back for you. Paul wants to remind us that we can have hope because Jesus Christ is coming back for us. Don't lose hope. We know how the story ends. But Paul doesn't just remind us that Jesus died for us. He doesn't just remind us that Jesus is coming back for us. Paul says this as well. He says, Jesus will set all things right This has been a fabulous year of walking through the Bible. I'm enjoying it immensely. But don't forget that we started in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And we learned that the Bible is God's story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and new creation with Jesus at the middle, or Jesus at at the center. And as we look back into the Garden of Eden, as we look back into Genesis, there was a place where man and woman had perfect relationship with God, where man and woman had right relationship with each other, but there was rebellion, and we sinned, and we were kicked out of the Garden and into a world where there is pain and hardship and toil and death. But God has a plan for redemption And that plan is Jesus Christ. And as Jesus Christ has redeemed the world, the new creation has begun. But we look forward to that time where he will come again and set everything right once and for all. We read about it in Revelation chapter 21. We read about it as John has this vision of what is to come. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Jesus will set all things right. All creation will be set free from the curse of sin, from the bondage of decay and death. Paul says, don't lose hope. We know how the story ends. Years ago, I read for the first time with my kids the book The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. My kids were young, but our tradition is, is that after we read a book, if there's a movie that's made out of this book, then we, we like to watch the movie. Now, I was a little nervous. My kids, as I said, were young, and I wasn't sure how they would react to the visual stimulation and the intensity of the movie. And so we started watching, and I kept the remote control close. And the first time Lucy stepped into Narnia, there's sort of a, a dim light as only the one lamppost is shining, and it's snowing, and there's sort of a dark woodland scene, and you hear footsteps, and the camera begins to dart around. Lucy's breath continues to increase, and the music becomes dramatic, and I, I paused the show, and I said, I don't know, boys. I don't know if we can handle this. And my sons looked at me and they said, Dad, it's just Mr. Tumnus. It's the fawn. Everything's going to be fine, Dad. So I hit play and we watched again. But the music once again picked up and the, the camera darted around and there was an intensity level and I thought, my kids are never going to sleep tonight. And I paused it again and I said, I don't know, boys. I don't know if we can handle this. And they said, Dad, it's, it's going to be Mr. Beaver. Like, he's the greatest beaver in the world. Like, Dad, what are you worried about? So I hit play, and we watched again. There were many times I wanted to hit pause, but we just kept going until one of those final scenes where Aslan, the great character and hero, the godlike lion, he's bound, and he's, he's gagged, he's shaved, and he's beaten and the hero of the story is strapped down to the great stone table. And the white witch takes her stone knife and she plunges it through his flesh. And I grab the remote and I hit pause and I said, boys, we just have to go. We, we can't go any further. And they said, dad, relax. We know how the story ends. We know how the story ends ends. Don't lose hope. We know how the story ends. Paul finishes this section of scripture with an imperative, with an exhortation, with a command. Paul says in verse 18, encourage one another with these words. That encourage is a command. Paul says, don't stop encouraging each other with these words. So let me say to you one more time, 
that as you experience grief this season, as you experience the sense of loss over relationships and experiences and expectations, don't grieve without hope. Keep walking. Keep going. Know that Jesus died for you, that he is coming back for you, and he will set all things right. Don't lose hope. We know how the story ends. Let us continue to encourage one another as we sing together, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken.